and blue what do you do we got stories to see you through that time of the month that time of the month need a fix come get your kicks we got tales by kooky chicks that time of the month that time of the month The Grass on the Other Side is AstroTurf by Amy yeah. Townsend. Come on up here, Amy. So, I have a confession to make. I'm a job hopper. I've had 50 jobs. And if there's one thing I've learned along the way, the only thing better than getting a job is quitting a job. <laughs> In fourth grade, I decided to be a writer, so I wrote a short story about a girl named Amy who ran away from home only to be found by her real parents, who were, of course, the king and queen. <laughs> it won first place. The school made my book available to check out in the library, and that 20-page short story remains my most acclaimed body of work to this day. <laughs> And being a published author made me realize that I'd rather live in imaginary worlds than create them. So in high school, I decided to be an actress. Unfortunately, our small town didn't offer much in the way of acting opportunities, so I had to create them where I could, in the after-school job market. <laughs> My first job was at Arby's where I played the role of a cashier for five months before it became clear that being a waitress offered a lot more dramatic fulfillment, not to mention more money. I worked as a roller skating car hop for exactly two days before the manager figured out I'd lied my way into the job and definitely wasn't on the roller derby team. <laughs> I probably gave myself away after I dropped that tray and skated into a wall. <laughs> but I had to. It's the only way I knew how to stop. <laughs> when my role as a roller skating waitress was tragically cut short, I decided I would be a high-powered career woman. And I took a job as the nights and weekend receptionist at the city's oldest and probably definitely haunted funeral home. <laughs> as weird as it was, it was bizarre. Looking back, it was one of the better jobs I had. I was well paid, and I spent my time there honing my acting chops. I was staging fake funerals in the attached chapel <laughs> because I was going through a goth phase. <laughs> but like most good things, it couldn't last. I was graduating, and my parents informed me that they wouldn't pay for college if I majored in theater, so I decided I would be a journalist. I opted not to spend my college years gaining valuable experience in my chosen field. Instead, I continued my exploration of dead-end jobs to earn extra money. Before I knew it, I'd accumulated W-9s from more than 30 jobs. Yeah, there was nothing I didn't try my hand at. Data entry clerk? Yes. Shoe salesman? I did it for a full four hours until I left my, my lunch break, and I never came back. <laughs> Ice cream truck driver? Did you know that they get paid on commission? And that job was so boring, the only fun part was seeing how far the kids would chase the truck until I finally stopped. 
Yeah, I did that job for an entire day. Mainly because I couldn't just ditch the truck on the side of the road. I spent one memorable half of a summer working as a magician's assistant at a theme park in North Idaho. It turns out there's a reason most assistants are very petite women. When I couldn't fold all five feet, eight inches, 140 pounds of myself into a ball small enough to fit into the false bottom of his disappearing trunk, Dexter, the amazing magician, had me fired. <laughs> my parents thought my endless parade of jobs was just a phase I would eventually grow out of, like boys or makeup. <laughs> but once I graduated, they felt sure I would settle into my career as a journalist and just grow up. And I wish I could say that they were right. I had the best of intentions. With my journalism degree clutched in my hands, I dutifully got a job as a reporter with a small weekly. The paper had been there over 100 years. I was there for less than one. I like to think it was because the job wasn't challenging enough for my active imagination, but the truth is, I had a taste for moving on, and I couldn't be satisfied with the secure routine of a steady income. <laughs> I remember the day I saw an audition notice for the Renaissance Festival. <laughs> oh, I didn't know much about run fairs at the time, but I thought it would be a good way to get my acting chops back and make my long-held dreams of being a princess come true at the same time. <laughs> I was right. I'd finally found a group of people more delusional than me. <laughs> And we were all ready to believe that we had finally been transported back into medieval times. Of course, as the only woman with all her teeth and a body weight less than 200 pounds, I was immediately cast as Mary Boleyn, the mistress to King Henry VIII. And let's just say I was a method actress. I was very popular. It was awesome. I took to it so much, I didn't want it to end. And when the summer was over and the fair closed for the season, I knew I had to follow my dreams of becoming a real actress. So I did what any small town girl with stars in her eyes would do. I moved to Miami. <laughs> my reasoning was this. I wanted to be with my boyfriend. <laughs> and while I waited to be discovered on the steamy streets of Miami, I took a marketing job for a cigar company in Little Havana. And I soon discovered I had a flair for writing exaggerated marketing copy. And my cigar factory job led to a series of marketing positions. That year, I worked in two event planning departments, the headquarters of the American Welding Society, and a skincare manufacturing company. Time flew by, as time does, and my dreams of being an actress had all but disappeared when a friend asked me if I wanted to come with her to an audition. And that was all it took. The acting bug bit me again, and the fever took hold. I quit my latest marketing job. And for the next year, I threw myself into the business of being a professional actress in Florida. <laughs> there wasn't an infomercial or independent movie that I didn't audition for or work in. My success had me giddy. Surely I was ready to make the next big move. I thought, yes. So I packed my bags and moved to Chicago. Because after all, I was a serious actress, not an LA starlet. 
So for two years, I tried my hand at a variety of professions while I half-heartedly tried to be an actress in the Windy City. And in that time, I worked as a bartender at Coyote Ugly. <laughs> Weekly dance classes are a must, as is a working wardrobe only a stripper would be proud of. And I was a marketing manager for Panera Bread Company. God help me, I still crave that broccoli cheese soup. <laughs> and most bizarrely, I worked as a producer for the Jerry Springer Show. My first and only week on the job was spent teaching guests how to fight on camera. <laughs> the most important role, don't wrestle each other to the floor. Ultimately though, it was my husband's job as a concert lighting designer that finally prompted us to make the next big move, LA. We lived there for two years and I didn't so much as set foot inside a theater. Why would I? I'd long since realized that I had it right in the beginning. What I really wanted to be was a writer. And even though I sometimes miss the fast paced lifestyle of starting a new job every other week, <laughs> it turns out that I like my life as a writer for hire. And through my clients, I've worked at an Australian beauty company, cleaned homes in Brooklyn, remodeled condos in Naples, and learned more about space, science, health, and technology than I ever thought I would. Yep, I have the best of all worlds now, and I think I might just be pretty satisfied with the direction my career is headed. Until something better comes along, that is. <laughs> Go spread the word, they're funny, smart, and so absurd. Happens every month, it's the neatest storytelling at its sweetest. Hey, 